Welcome back to Triple H 100.1 FM. TripleHFM.com.au is where you can stream online, or you could be listening to us via podcasts.com, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your good podcasts and your bad ones as well. The radio personality, formerly known as the Lord Mayor of Leichhardt. I'm going to stick with that moniker when I'm on Triple H from now on. Keep the Polsky with you. Well, I, as you hear, the raging bull in the background, Anthony Caruso. I could call myself the Lord Mayor of Lincoln, but I don't think the mayor down here would necessarily like that. And I'm trying to keep a good relationship with him on 765-5CC, where we play the best songs of all time. Not a gratuitous plug. We're getting back in to the National Hockey League. And as you can hear, Anthony Caruso loves my gratuitous plug. And Anthony, we were speaking before the break about exhibition games and each team having two exhibition games to warm up which is very different to the normal NHL season. You can have anything six, seven, eight exhibition games to get your legs under you, but this time it's two games. And not only that, but it's two games. Get through a handful of matches and then almost straight into the um, almost straight into the playoffs. So, yeah, you're not going to have much time to be able to get yourself set for the uh, for the big time straight away. No, that's very true, particularly given that it is a very unique play-in situation that we have at the moment. To cut it down to the basics, in each division, there's four divisions in the National Hockey League, two conferences of two divisions each. So in each of the four conferences, uh, each of the four divisions, I should say, the top four from each conference or the top two from each division go straight through into the playoffs. They're going to play round-robin tournaments between themselves in the West and the East to determine exactly who gets top seeding in the playoffs. So Boston and Tampa in the Atlantic. I think it's Washington and Philadelphia uh, in the Metro. And then you move across to the Western Conference with the Metro Division and the Pacific Division. In the Pacific Division, there were two teams that topped out in the end, but it it was certainly not anything to write home about in terms of what was going down during the season because anybody could have got in, anybody could have missed out in the Pacific. So in the Pacific, you're going to have the Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers enjoying the first round bye, if you like. And in the in the Central Division, the St. Louis Blues and the Colorado Avalanche are going to head into the round robin. And after that, you're going to have teams looking to play in. So Anthony, well, actually, I'm going to I'm going to pull you up on that because it's actually the Dallas Stars who are in position. Yes, my bad. Just- yes, I do apologise. The Dallas Stars got the crossover. Of course, they defeat, they edged out the Edmonton Oilers on points percentage, even though they were one point behind the Oilers, which is the number I'm looking at, unfortunately. I am now looking at the points percentage, and the Dallas Stars recorded 0.594 percentage, and the Oilers 585, because even though the Oilers were a point up, they played two extra games. So even though Dallas, technically behind Edmonton in the standings, are considered to be ahead of them because of that points percentage. So, yes, you're right. Dallas crosses over and takes one of the Pacific spots. So Dallas will go in as the fourth team in the Western Conference to get that first round by. And then a play-in situation, because teams made the argument, and I think rightly so, that they gear themselves up for a big run down what they call the stretch, which is the, the home stretch or the home straight And there were teams that claimed that they were gearing up for a big run at it and they didn't really have time for their newly acquired players to settle in. Which begs the question, Anthony, if we're going to have teams that basically went to the trade deadline in the mindset of sellers, such as your Montreal Canadiens, 
thinking, well, we're sitting in 12th in the Eastern Conference. We're not going to make the playoffs. We're going to sell off some pieces and gear up for next year. And now all of a sudden the NHL knocks on the door and says, yeah, guys, you could be in the playoffs this year. Why aren't we reopening the trade market? Well, I think they need. I think they need to because what what they're going to be what they're going to now do is they're going to make some of the teams there. If we go look through some of them. Look at the Eastern Conference, and I dare say the Montreal Canadiens and everyone on the Eastern Conference are going to be the ones probably most thankful to be there because the PCT difference between them and the rest of the pack is absolutely massive. They're over half. They're over. Um, 60 points behind the a, a clump of teams, which includes the Maple Leafs, the Blue Jackets, the Panthers, and the Rangers. They're probably sitting there going, "Yeah, our season's over. Let's just go through and do do a do a few trades." Well, maybe they could actually trade to get a couple of players in to give them a, a, a last gasp effort at um at the playoffs. Particularly given that you have the Buffalo Sabres who came up with the idea of training for Wayne Simmons from the New Jersey Devils, who is a very tough player. He's basically referred to as sandpaper because it gives a team a bit of nastiness, a little bit of grit, a little bit of grind, someone who's prepared to get a little bit physical. I'm sure that a team like Montreal or the New York Rangers, Florida Panthers, will be very keen to get their hands on a guy like that. So why not allow them to be able to acquire him by trade with the Buffalo Sabres now that the Sabres are out of the running, because you've got a situation, as you say, Montreal is 500 in, in points percentage, but that's because of the magical loser point that turns up at games that are finished at um, level in regulation, and then these games are magically worth an extra point because they go to overtime. Don't get me started on a loser point, and if you want more information on that, downgrowsbrown.com is where you go, and Sean McIndoo can tell you all about the glory of the loser point and how terrible it is for the standings. But Anthony... If Montreal is going to be playing Pittsburgh in the play-in round, which isn't the regular season and it's not the playoffs, so who knows what it is, why wouldn't you want the opportunity to go to the Buffalo Sabres and say, look, what do you want for Wayne Simmons? Or you'll go to the Ottawa Senators and say, okay, your blue line's looking a bit soft in Montreal. What are we prepared to accept as a trade offer for someone like a Ron Hainsey? Can I, can I throw one, one, one further? What about the prospect of a loan deal, a short-term loan? You can't really get into the loan deals because the the situation with the trade market has been for the NHL to say you cannot trade for guys into the playoffs and then trade back. So they've taken the loan deal off the table. So I think one year, I think it was the New York Rangers tried this with somebody. They traded player X for a seventh round pick and then after the playoffs were done, they went into the draft and then traded that player back to his old club for that same seventh round pick, which made it effectively a loan deal. And the NHL said, well, no, you can't do that. It has to be a genuine trade and you can't simply trade back for what you gave up before the next season starts. So that causes a little bit of a problem that way. But certainly there are t- the LA Kings, San Jose Sharks would be desperate to try and find a trade partner before the playoffs start to try and load up on some of those picks because the San Jose Sharks gave up a first-round pick to my Ottawa Senators to get Eric Carlson on board, and they have just gone from disaster to disaster, and now all of a sudden my Senators are holding picks two and three until the draft lottery, which we're going to talk about later. But certainly it will give other teams a chance to load up for the playoffs, like Montreal, who didn't think they were going to the playoffs, like Minnesota, Arizona, Chicago, who thought they weren't going to the playoffs, that gives them a chance to load up and take a decent swing at it. Well, you got to remember, you got to remember the uh, the nature of playoffs. Like it's a brand new ball game. 
So why not give yourself give it a, a serious crack if you've got something there? You've got absolutely nothing to lose um, out of the current situation. My for my mind, the the competition that's probably going to be the most fascinating to watch over is actually going to be the Western Conference because when you look at the piece the PCT, it's only 0.07 separating fifth place Edmonton from the Chicago Blackhawks. There's almost nothing in it. Well, yes and no. There's 11 points in it with Edmonton having the extra game. So 585 versus 514. But at the end of the day, Chicago is a shell of what they used to be. But I I take your point that there are teams out there who didn't think they'd be going to the playoffs who all of a sudden are looking at themselves in a playoff berth thinking, okay, how can we create a situation that is better for us? Because certainly you would look at And I think the best example of this is going to be your Montreal Canadiens. Carey Price, okay, he's not having the best of seasons, but who's the backup? It's going to be 19-year-old Caden Primo. Tell me that Montreal would not want to trade a fifth-round pick for the rights to my Ottawa Senators, Craig Anderson, who is a playoff veteran. He's been all over the playoffs before. Yes, he's getting on in years, and this year hasn't been his best year, but why wouldn't Montreal want to trade for a veteran backup? Montreal had no had no belief or anticipation of going to the playoffs, which is why they rode Caden Primo as the backup. But why wouldn't they take Jimmy Howard from the Red Wings? Why wouldn't they be looking at Craig Anderson from the Ottawa Senators as a potential backup? Yeah, good questions. And you know what? I, I'm not I, I'm not overly sure how they can go really go against it. So. Yeah, I guess you have to wait and see to um, to work out what teams are going to do to be able to set themselves up for a for a potential crack. But then let's go to the let's go to the flip side. What about those teams that are sitting in those top positions? If you open the trade market, say you know what we've got a real crack to win to win the whole thing, but let's give ourselves every chance by maybe plugging a couple of holes so we can give ourselves a crack at, at the title now. Well, a lot of those teams would have known that they were in a position to make the playoffs earlier, but certainly some of them wouldn't have been anticipating that they were going to be a guarantee to go to the playoffs. Certainly the likes of the Dallas Stars wouldn't have been anticipating that they were locks by any stretch of the imagination. Nashville, a team that has loaded up previously, but has been looking down the barrel of maybe missing because they've had a bad year. Vancouver was no certainty to make it. They're riding the benefit of having a very hot young core. Calgary, Everyone seems to have clicked at the right time and then they fell away again. But there's a lot of moving parts here that I'm thinking, well, there's a lot of teams that would love a chance to readjust what they did at the trade deadline. Florida, New York Rangers, Montreal, the leading candidates in the east, and then Chicago, Arizona, Minnesota in particular in the west, all playing out of the – sorry, Arizona's in the Pacific Division at the moment. But Minnesota, they were no chance, Minnesota. And then all of a sudden they rode a hot streak into a playoff spot. They were doing nothing. And all of a sudden they find themselves, well, it, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? They take, they're taking on Vancouver. And all of a sudden when you're up against a very young team in the playoffs, they are ripe for the picking if they're a young team not used to playoff hockey. So that opens up a big chance for Minnesota to pull an upset, but they can't bulk up at the deadline now because the deadline has passed. So why not have a new deadline? But on the flip side, what happens if players don't want to report for the remainder of the season? And that is probably why the NHL's walked away from it. Yeah, and that's fair enough. And that's fair enough. So, but how, now, now you've got a situation where these teams are going to have to plan not only in terms of what they're going to do for playoffs, 
but then also the what they're going to do, tossing up, how they're going to set themselves up for the for the draft lotteries to occur, because I believe that's going to be occurring a little bit early. The draft lottery scheduled for the 26th of June. This is a real problem because the NHL is trying to cash in on having the draft lottery while everything is in hiatus. I get where they're coming from. It makes perfect sense. But the way they've set up the draft lottery in this situation is to divide it into two phases. You've got seven teams that have missed the playoffs. In the east, it's Detroit, Ottawa, Jersey, Buffalo. And in the west, it's the three California teams, San Jose, LA, and Anaheim. San Jose, for the purposes of this exercise, don't count because my Ottawa Senators hold their first-round pick. And at the moment, San Jose sits third last in the standings. And the lottery odds are weighted in favour of the worst teams. Detroit Red Wings have an 18.5% chance of winning the lottery for the first overall pick. And the, the top three picks are drawn by lottery. Now, the problem is that you ha- you're going to have teams in this play-in round that, may, that they'll lose. So they'll have to go into the lottery. So what the National Hockey League is doing on the 26th of June, they will hold a draft lottery and they will select the top three picks. You're going to have the top seven teams with their draft odds, top six teams if you like with their draft odds, because Ottawa gets their 13.5% and the San Jose Sharks 11.5%. So my boys have got a one in four of getting the first round pick. Hashtag on your derriere for Lafreniere if you're an NHL fan. But then you've got Team A, Team B, all the way through to Team H, these teams that miss out on the play-in round. So you're going to draw the top three picks. If Team A through Team H qualifier happens to draw happens to draw one of these picks, you're going to have to go to a second round draft lottery to figure out who gets the weightings based on where teams have been knocked out and their seedings in the regular season standings. And then those teams will have a second draw to figure out who gets that pick. So it's it's more than possible. And it's already been discussed quite a lot. You could have the Edmonton Oilers, who have finished fifth in the West. You can have the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have finished fifth in the East. They get knocked out in an upset in round one. They go into the draft lottery. And their reward for finishing fifth in their conference and getting knocked out in the play-in round is to have... Alexis Lafreniere, who is one of the great wing prospects of the generation, a generational winger playing on the left side of either Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid. Why don't we just pack up the league if you're going to have Lafreniere on the wing of McDavid or Crosby? Because that is just brutal. Mind you, Edmonton have drafted first overall more than I care to remember, and they still can't fight their way out of a wet paper bag. But I, I don't get how it can be fair that you can have teams knocked out who finish fifth in their in their conference and yet they can get the first overall pick. They had to figure out some sort of way to adjust this because is it really fair if a team gets knocked out in a random play-in round? And one suggestion I had was these play-in rounds where you've got five versus 12, so Pittsburgh will play Montreal. If Pittsburgh win a game, they're through. So best of five series, Montreal would have to beat them five games to nothing. And if Montreal can beat them 5 nothing, well, okay, fine. You've earned your way in. But if Montreal can't hold them winless, then Pittsburgh goes through. And you change those odds as you go down into those middling teams that are right on the bubble, Toronto, Columbus, and Islanders, Panthers, in the case of the East. So I, I don't know whether I like the way this draft lottery has been set up 
because it's supposed to be for those teams that weren't good enough in the regular season to make the playoffs. And let's face it, Montreal weren't making the playoffs, but now Montreal, by virtue of some virus that's been let loose, could luck their way into the playoffs. They get swept by Boston Bruins in the first round, for example, although we all know that we want to see Boston play Toronto and take it to Game 7 because we all know what happens when Toronto plays Boston in Game 7. But the, the chances of Montreal lucking their way into the playoffs, getting swept in the first round, and then all of a sudden losing that shot at a first overall pick when they, they weren't making the playoffs in reality, I, I, think it's, I think it's unfair on a team like Montreal. Well, how do how do how do we adjust it? Because it's either it's either going to be um, some sort of elaborate setup to be able to ensure the comp the compensation is dutifully done, like you like you said, do a weighting based on the positioning, or no I, one gets it, or no yeah. one gets it. So I like I like the idea. You can still have this pl- play-in system, but what I like is the idea of. You have 6666. You don't have a conference play in. You have a division play in. You yeah. have you have five games round robin. Every team plays each other once. The team that finished bottom starts on zero. The team that finished second last starts on two. And you work your way up the standings until the team that finished on top starts on what's that? 10, 8, 6, 10 points. And then you have then you have the normal situation, two points for a win, one point for an overtime shootout loss, no points for a regulation loss. Whoever finishes in the top four goes through to the playoffs. Or you do what they used to do, and I know you're not a fan of it, a fan of the sport, but back what they used to do with the Super Sixes to decide the second round, the second round of matches for the Cricket World Cup, which is where they take the points that you earned so far against the other teams from your side that made the Super Six, and then you play the teams from the other side. Now, this in this case, what you would say is for the for the makeup of the new conferences, you take the points that each of the teams have got against each other within their own division, and that is your new table. You play off against the teams in your own division, and then you go through from there. I can see where you're going with that. I don't mind the idea. But the problem then becomes when you have a particularly stacked division like you have in the case of the Pacific Division. Because, well, let's face it, the Pacific Division really should have been named the Pathetic Division this year because you had the three California teams that they had no clue what they were doing. And then on the eastern side of the equation, you've got the other division that's named for an ocean in the Atlantic Division where Detroit set new records for futility this season, which I I will claim credit for this. I did tip that in our NHL preview way back when. I did tip that Detroit would run last because everybody was backing the Senators to run last. And I said, yeah, we'll probably do that except for Detroit, who will set new records. And they did. But then you got the Senators, you got the Sabres. Montreal shouldn't be there. And Florida probably shouldn't be there, which leaves you the stacked up top with Boston, Tampa and Toronto, although Toronto wasn't really stacked this season like they should be. So you've got the situation of what happens when you have a particularly lopsided division where it's sort of, well, you've got two teams playing off against each other for one spot and these other games are meaningless. Whereas the situation that I suggest, you have the play-in round robin for each division and everybody gets five games guaranteed, is there's still reason to win for the Boston Bruins because Montreal can still make the playoffs and Boston can still lose that top seeding even though they've got that running start. So 
even you might want to consider waiting that a little bit more, considering the Boston were four games clear of Tampa Bay with 12 to play, and that's a that's almost impossible to make up in the NHL with the loser point. But there had to be something better than what the NHL has come up with, with this five versus 12 and six versus 11 and all that sort of thing, and then have the top four teams play off the seeding because they're only going to play the three games, whereas other teams could play the full five and they're going to have the extra games going into the into the real playoffs, which I find particularly unfair. The other option I could have, and this would be a, a one that might be a bit more speculative, but it would be around how many games do they expect to, to go through this playoffs or round-robin situation before we actually get to the final stage itself. Could you maybe – I could maybe take my idea and maybe expand it to maybe just be the conference component, but then – you know, how would you fit in 15 games per team within a short period of time? And I guess the answer to that would be nigh on impossible. You can't, particularly when the regular season was down to, in the case of the Carolina Hurricanes, who, along with the New York Islanders, had the most games to play remaining in the Eastern Conference with 14, or in the case of the team that had the least games left to play, which was the Montreal Canadiens with only 11, St. Louis, had 11 to go. Vegas had 11 to go. Vegas finished four points ahead of the Dallas Stars, but Dallas had two games in hand, so they could have finished even there. Yeah. And Vegas was 39-24-8. and eight. Dallas was 37-24-8. and eight. So if Dallas wins two games, straight away, they're tied for points. So I, I, like where you, I, I can see where you're going with the conference idea, but as you say, 15 games, that means they play more games than the regular season, yeah. which is not an option. Yeah, and fair enough. Fair enough, too. So then you get to the finals. You, you get to the round robin. You, you've had the playoffs. You get you had the round robin tournament. We then go, I imagine, to the elimination. So what's going to happen is you've got the playing series. It's going to be a best of five. Team five will play team twelve in each conference. Six, eleven, seven, ten, and eight, nine. So in the east, it's Pittsburgh, Montreal, Carolina, New York Rangers, New York Islanders, Florida, and Toronto, Columbus. In the west you're going to have five versus 12 of Edmonton, Chicago, and then it's Nashville, Arizona, Vancouver, Minnesota, and the all-Canadian matchup of Calgary, Winnipeg. Which that is actually, for mine, that is the matchup of of the playoffs. I do find that the most enthralling contest because what Winnipeg have been able to do with a decimated blue line and Connor Hellebuck having having a Vesna standard season is going to be really interesting against Calgary who ran hot and cold and had that racism situation with Bill Peters who was who resigned before he was sacked uh, earlier in the year and this was before Black Lives Matter this was way back yonder and this this was in almost in the ancient past now by comparison with what we've seen recently with other events that we're not going to get into. So I think you're right. Calgary, Winnipeg is the enthralling matchup. The one I'm looking forward to, though, is Toronto and Columbus, because Columbus found a way to sweep Tampa last year, and Toronto have not been out of the first round with this group. So they have a lot of scars built up from a lot of first-round exits, and Columbus, well... They, they know how to get the job done, even though they're missing a lot of players from that playoff run last year. They know how to get it done. So uh, I think those middle games, Calgary, Winnipeg and Toronto, Columbus, those eight, nine games, I think on both counts, they're going to be the most interesting ones for sure. But then let's go to the – then we go from there. You end up with your four teams. You've got – you end up with the eight teams from each of the, the conferences 
into your into the playoffs itself, which are going to be, I imagine, best of fives then from there. And then you're going through as normal. But that's going to be the, – the, the thing that's going to be fascinating to watch is which team's got the most fitness coming towards the end of it. Because you can imagine they're going to be playing night after night here. They are, but they're going to have the advantage of being rested up, whereas a lot of teams go into the playoffs beaten up. Columbus was going into the playoffs missing three, four, maybe even five players off their roster. They're all fit now, as opposed to Boston, who were going in. They, they were red hot. They were in form. They were fully fit. They had everybody available. Now they've had to stop, and they're going to have to get that momentum back. So this really does make it a real lottery Speaking of lotteries, we've got the draft lottery coming up as well, which we need to get back to to discuss the the odds and exactly who could end up winning it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get to that. Let's get to that now because who knows how this is going to play out because we're still a month away. I imagine we're still a month away from even playing the game. We are. I don't see us getting – I think they said a minimum two weeks for the camp. So the earliest we're going to be getting games is the 24th of July. But yeah. in terms of the draft lottery, this is how it breaks down. Detroit ran last. They are an 18.5% chance to win the pick. Then you've got Ottawa with 13.5. Ottawa from San Jose, which is 11.5, which is Ottawa have overall a 25% shot at Alexi Lafreniere. Then you've got LA Kings, 9.5, Anaheim, 8.5. Jersey, 7.5. Buffalo with 6.5. How about Buffalo Sabres? They've just gone and fired everybody. And poor Buffalo Sabres, you look at Ottawa and think, what a tyre fire. But, well, at least my Senators have got a prospect pipeline to be jealous of. Buffalo, they don't have anything. They've got nothing going for them at the moment. They don't have a GM at the moment after Jason Botterill got fired. I don't understand. After the, after the tank job that they pulled a couple of years ago, how... They've now they've done that. They've achieved virtually nothing out of it. Mm. Like how are they still how are they still running as a club at the moment? Because if, if out of anyone at the moment, you would have to say Buffalo could be an option if if they wanted to make sure that they have even teams. Could they be a club that absolute that folds? No, you're never going to get teams that fold. Buffalo's not going to relocate because Buffalo is the best TV market in the National Hockey League. You're going to look at the smaller markets like the Floridas, the Arizonas for relocation, but the relocation isn't going to happen. But Buffalo, you've got to feel for them because, as you say, that tank job that Tim Murray did in the Connor McDavid draft year, that was absolutely insane. Anytime they won a game, the next day you get two or three players traded out the door because they were playing too well. And he would just look to trade everybody who had a pulse. So I, I feel for the Sabres, but that, that's the situation that you're looking at. And then the draft lottery, it is the top three picks. So whoever gets drawn out of the barrel first or whoever has their number drawn first is going to get the first overall pick. Then you get the next team getting the second and then the next team getting the third. It's possible that Detroit, who have set new records for futility, could be picking fourth. But this is a particularly deep draft year where the scouts are saying that anything down to pick 15 or 16 could be ready for NHL action next season. And we're interrupting your regularly scheduled splinters to bring you even more splinters because we recorded our original splinters on the day, well, it was a few days before the NHL draft took place and we are now recording this insert literally 10 minutes after the NHL draft has gone to air and Anthony... You might, you might, as the Montreal Canadiens, end up with that first overall pick. 
Well, you never know because this the new format that we've got for this year, given the the changes that have occurred, means that everyone has actually got a reasonable chance of a first draft pick. And something Montreal has not had, I think, in over 12 years. Yes, it's been a long time since Montreal has really picked at the top end of the draft. Just to run you through exactly what has happened with those rankings, there has been a random team. We spoke about the random team, or we will be speaking about the random team, and that random team has drawn number one in the draft. So, Anthony, is it worth Montreal beating Pittsburgh? No, I don't think so. I, I, I personally think we take it, take that, take that draft, and see if we can start the um, potentially start an early rebuild of the team. Of course, Alexi- you go. Well, I was going to say because when you look at some of the players that we've we've, we've still got there, you know, there are some very much established stars that they may want to hang, um, hold on to, but they've already started, I guess, getting rid of some of the old. Uh, the old guard that took Montreal to, I think it was about four or five playoffs in a row. Uh, and while they did well, they need to, they probably going to need to restart if they're going to have ambitions to win within the next five years. I agree on that. And it's probably not a bad one if Montreal can get that first overall pick. Because if there's two things that Montreal have lacked in recent times, it is an out-and-out goal scorer and a top-line centre. Okay, you're not going to get the top-line centre in Alexi Lafreniere, but you will get the out-and-out goal scorer. Oh, absolutely. And just remember, you know, Montreal when it, don't usually get first-draft picks that often. But when they do, geez, they pick up some absolute crackers. The last time they did it, they picked up some goaltender who's still there. Well, that, that was almost a number one pick, and uh, I think it might have been third overall, Carey Price wins, or somewhere in that top five bracket for, for sure. To give you the full rundown, Buffalo, New Jersey, and Anaheim all picked where they were supposed to. My Ottawa Senators pick has fallen to number five. I am absolutely disgusted by that. I call shenanigans. I call BS. This is all a conspiracy. Poor old Detroit, though. You've got to feel for Detroit. One of the oh. worst, not just in cap history, but in NHL history. They stank like a bucket of prawns left outside in January for a fortnight, and they fall into number four. Yeah, that is just absolutely ridiculous. And I mean, this is this is a team that, like, where do we classify this? Is this a team that has done the Buffalo full season tank, or is this a team that has just ended up with something so bad that not even tank, not even burning the place down and starting again is worthwhile because it's pretty much just happened before their eyes? Well, that's the thing is that Steve Eisman came in and he didn't actively try to tank like Buffalo and Tim Murray did. All he did was come in and say, okay, this is what I'm confronted with. I'm going to let the place burn this year. Let's just go maximum chaos theory. And then we'll come back and see what we've got at the end of it. And for them to fall to number four, yeah, this is a deep draft. And if you're picking in the top six, you're almost guaranteed a game breaker of some description. But to fall to number four, it's almost the Colorado situation. They didn't actively plan tank. They just let the chips fall where they may, and now they're number four. It just seems a bit unfair. Having said that, though, your Ottawa Senators, I mean, you complain about dropping down to number five. You're not going to be entirely complaining because you've got position three and position five. So you're going to be setting yourself up quite nicely in the next couple of years. I never would have thought that that Eric Carlson trade that took place not that long ago, everybody panned the trade. Everybody said that 
Pierre Dorian should have held out for more. I don't know. The number three pick plus probably two of the top prospects in the NHL at the moment. I think he's done all right for that. And Los Angeles moving up to number two as well. They're going to be very keen to get their hands on another centre to play on that second line behind Anze Kopitar. The defence and the goaltending might not be that much to look at. Tell you what, they're going to be fun to watch with goal scoring prowess like that. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe we'll see the LA Kings return to their form around the early 2000s. That is very possible as well. So, the final rankings for the NHL draft. We do have to go to a second round of lottery. The number one team is the mystery team. It dun, could be dun, Pittsburgh. Dun. Yeah, it could be Pittsburgh. God help us if Lafreniere plays on the on the left wing of Sidney Crosby. It could be Edmonton, in which case I move that we just abolish the NHL and start again because Dreisaitl being forced to play second line and then Lafreniere on McDavid's wing, we might as well just give up, shouldn't we? Yeah, but we've been saying that a while, for a while about Edmonton and it still hasn't happened yet. That's very true. So Ottawa does pick from San Jose's pick at number three, LA number two, the mystery team number one, down to Detroit at five, Ottawa five, Ottawa, Detroit four, sorry, Ottawa five, Anaheim six, Jersey seven, and Buffalo eight. Anthony, you've got some partying to prepare for. Your young, your young Lorenzo, future Juventus player? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, as, I, as I've said before, you know, the, the 26th to the 27th of June is a wonderful period for Australian football. Lorenzo Caruso was born. <laughs> well, there you go. That's just everything, isn't it? Lorenzo's yeah. born and Women's World Cup, but we'll talk about that in another yeah. And don't forget, and don't forget, when he was born, 10 minutes later, Australia scored against France. There you go. It's all it's all falling into place in Casa Caruso. It's all falling into place for a mystery NHL team. We'll let Anthony get back to preparing for the party, and we'll let you get back to your regularly, sched- regularly scheduled splinters. Well, let's find out. I mean, the last thing you'd want to see is something like the Kings, the Ducks, or the Devils, teams that you know were just poor, not getting their opportunity. Because, of course, you mentioned that Connor McDavid draft. And of all the teams to get that, the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, and the Oilers, in a way it was fair enough because Buffalo and Arizona both came up with out-and-out tank jobs at the back end of that season. Well, Buffalo was tanking all year, Arizona tanked at the back end of the year, and Edmonton was just bad. Edmonton yeah. just stank. They weren't trying to tank, but they ended up winning the McDavid sweepstakes, and Buffalo ended up drafting Jack Eichel, who looks as though he's ready to hightail it out of the joint when his contract expires. So good luck with that, Buffalo fans, who end up losing Jack Eichel. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. We will mention the outcome of the draft lottery when we do get to our playoff preview in the coming weeks. But before we do end, Anthony, you had some news on the Australian Ice Hockey League front. Yeah, I do. So the uh, latest rumours that has come out of that is that the season proper is off. It will Mm -hmm. not be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, There are discussions currently in place to either have a series of Wilson Cup matches, so that's the matches between the Sydney Bears and Sydney Ice Dogs, or have an extended Wilson Cup and include the CBR Brave and the Newcastle North Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the idea with this is that they would look to have um, each of the locations host a series of matches over the weekends, but they would be um, adhering to social distancing laws, which at the current stage is actually looking somewhat promising given the reasonable state that New South Wales is currently in for COVID-19. Um, now, the other bits of news that have come out, Fox Sports are unlikely to continue their commitment to show a, a one AIHL match. 
meaning the sport's going to be back to the drawing board and it could well be that they're going to be looking to stream more matches. It's a discussion coming out. That's to be seen. Uh, here's the interesting one. With a number of regular imports now bar, either barred from entering the country outright or forced to go into a two-week quarantine before entering, there's a real opportunity for fringe players to have a crack at the main lines, and this will really show who has been paying attention to their play development. It certainly will, and it will also be an interesting proposition because the Sydney Bears have the incumbent Australian goaltender, Anthony Kimlin, on their roster, and that's where most of the teams go for an import spot, is to goaltending because there aren't that many quality goaltenders in Australia at the moment. Anthony Kimlin, chief amongst those, so it's very much a case of watch this space, but we haven't been watching the watch, so to speak. See what we did there? Watch, watch. Absolutely. Uh, well, okay, you you back me in there. So that's all we have time for on this edition of National Hockey League Splinters Mark One. We will be back with a full playoff preview in the weeks ahead, as I say. Anthony, the Raging Bull Caruso, pleasure as always having you on board. Uh, absolutely, and uh, looking forward to seeing what this playoff has in store. Uh, although I pray, I fear the absolute worst for my uh, beloved Canadians. Well, the worst thing would be that you get into the playoffs, you, you get swept, and then you found out that if you missed the playoffs, you could have ended up drafting Alexis Lafreniere, which, as I say, even for a Montreal fan, I hope that doesn't happen to you. I am the former Lord Mayor of Leichhardt, Keith Topolsky. It's been great having your company on Splinters, on podcast.com, Spotify, TuneIn, or Apple Podcasts, triplehfm.com.au, or at triplehf100.1fm. Great having your company. We're going to do it all again soon. Make sure you tune in for The Bench this Friday night from 6pm. But for now, it's goodbye.